I did, really, I thought I maybe had messed up the song, and because you guys had this perplexed look, and I can see on your faces as you stare at the slide on the screen, you know that math problem, and I know what you're thinking, math. He's talking about hell today. <laughs> no. <laughs> and your elementary school teacher is so disappointed that you laughed at that joke. <laughs> the math problem on the screen shows you how to add fractions, right? And they have different denominators. That's the number on the bottom. And, uh, you know, maybe some light bulbs are coming on now. You remember this. Now your elementary school teacher is smiling, right? You, uh, you have to take that lower number and, and make it all match so you can do the math. And, and this morning we're going to talk about how to apply this principle of the common denominator to our lives. There's an ongoing world crisis, right? Millions of people are without work and countless others are being impacted financially. And there's also an enormous amount of civil unrest and social discord. And these are just the news headlines, right? In our own lives, in our own community, there's all kinds of other struggles. And this morning, we're going to talk about unity. Specifically, we're going to talk about what unites us. And this is where that fractional math problem comes in. How do you take a world full of unique individuals and you put them together in a way that recognizes the differences but allows them to be combined? You have to find the common denominator. You see, even though the one half was considered three-sixths and the one-third was considered two-sixths, for the sake of solving the problem, it's still a half and it's still a third. But now we put them together, we unite them, and now you have the answer. Heather, go ahead and flip that. Get that disaster out of there. There we go. I titled this message The Highest Common Denominator because when we look to the cross as our greatest similarity, we can be added to the numbers without losing the other things that make us unique and different and, and special. So let's get started. Now, new things are exciting, aren't they? Early churches were on fire for Christ, just as you may have been at one point in your life or on multiple points in your life, and, and hopefully you still are today. But you remember that. You're like, God's doing wonderful things. I'm excited. Teach me more. I want to learn more. I want to sing the songs and all that. And, and, and the Christians in Corinth had heard about the Messiah. Perhaps some were lucky enough to hear his teachings in person. And maybe they witnessed his miracles firsthand. That would have been awesome. But many of them heard it through his disciples as they followed his last instructions where he said, go forth and make disciples of all nations. And as these disciples spread out and shared the story, people heard it and they believed and they were changed. And still others heard it uh, about these things from a man by the name of Paul who started out as not such a good guy. And, and we later, he committed his life to Christ and, and to Christ's teachings. And, and then he put his newfound faith in action and he shared the good news. The Apostle Paul traveled and taught and wrote many letters that God chose to include in the Bible. We still read and study these letters to this very day. But let me set the stage for you. The good things that were taught to the Corinthian Christians were now creating jealousy and resentment and conflict and divisions among the people. The very things that were so good were now pulling them apart. This not only effectively shut down their spiritual growth, I mean, they can't go down that path to salvation if they're bickering and competing and, and doing the things that are contrary to the lesson they had learned. But they also could no longer understand or apply the wonderful things that the Apostle Paul wanted to teach them. Both the Bible and our history books have revealed that time after time, that house divided will fall on itself. But we don't have to yield to the spirit of divisiveness. We need to stand in unity of the body of Christ, which is the highest common denominator. 
Now, there are a lot of really good things that, are, that unite us, and I pulled a couple of verses to remind us. From Malachi 2.10, or as my kid says, Malachi. Malachi 2.10, are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? We are united because we are a family. We are created by one God. We have that in common, your existence. Galatians 3.28, this is another letter of Paul to the, to the, the early followers in Galatia. It says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. You know, see, he's, he's trying to find the biggest differences he could think of at the time. And maybe today we would put race or education or social stature. Okay? He says, there's none of this, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And he continues on in Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace, Christ Jesus, who has made the two groups... One, and he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus has overcome the things that make us different. So we're backsliding when we get away from that. It is not normal or natural to be at odds with other people. That's why it doesn't feel good. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, another one of Paul's letters, says, As a prisoner for the Lord, and he's writing this from jail, he says, Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live up to the standard. Do what you know. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And he goes on, he says, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One common denominator for all this. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, overall, in all. Paul liked to use the human body as a metaphor and as a tool for teaching. 1 Corinthians 12, 20, uh, 12, 12 through 13 says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. Again, he's, he's just taking the contrast of these groups of his time. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Again, in Galatians, these are all his letters, you know, trying to encourage people. It says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you see what unites us? Do you see this common denominator? Whatever that top looks like for you, your upbringing, your education, your skin color, whatever that may be, the core of who you are is found in Christ. So what does unity look like? If we were to truly be united, it's not identical. It's united, okay? Second Corinthians, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. He's excited. Remember, that's the joy. We talked about that a week ago. He says, strive, make, make it your fervent goal. Make this a thing you're working towards. Strive for full restoration, encouraging one another. Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Also, the, the people in Corinth, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus, he's begging. He says, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and there be no division among you, but you can be perfectly united in mind and thought. And, and, and in all things, is Paul saying you should be identical and think alike and do like other? Not at all. But certainly the important ones, the salvation issues, right? We're united in what we believe. We're united 
in the understanding of what we should be doing and what we're responding to. And we're going to dive into that next week a little deeper about how we act as Christians. Okay? There's this expression, all right? Be a man, act like a man. I mean, not to you girls, but, you know, those things. We're going to be, do the be a Christian thing next week. So, Unity makes us like-minded equal, but not identical. Paul's letter to Romans. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Just as the body through one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Multiple letters to multiple groups reminding them of the same thing. Different parts, one body. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That is the purpose of the church, to support and encourage and do our part. Your role, my role, we're all different because we talked about this last week. There's different spiritual gifts. There's different fruit of the Spirit. And not everybody is given the same one in the same amount at the same time. Everybody has a part. An ear has an ear. An arm has an arm. But unity pleases God. Okay? It should be an underlying motivator. We want to please this wonderful God who has blessings to store for you. It says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Again, not identical, but be like-minded. And it's good for us. The psalmist writes, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. What would the world be like if we could do this? Paul said his goal is that he might encourage, people might be encouraged in heart and in love. They'd be united so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mysteries of God, namely Christ. And God desires this for us. It's his plan for you to be a part of this body. It's, a, it's his plan for you to rely on this common denominator that unites us. Jesus' own words from John 17, 20 to 23 says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as though you have loved me. God has a plan and his son Jesus was a part of that. And, and, and it wasn't done there. It says Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. And he did this to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until they reach full unity in faith. Paul, in one of his closings, says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the authority of Lord Jesus Christ. So he's calling in the name to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. That's pretty specific. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. You know, with some of the stuff going on in the world today, we may think that we may not make a big deal, a big impact. Some of that stuff's not even happening around here, and we thank God for that. But a lot of this starts in the church, our church, their church. You know, we have to make a difference. We have to stand united in what we'll tolerate, what we won't tolerate, what we'll speak up against, what we'll speak for. 
when to hold our tongues. And sometimes that's the hard part, right? And, and Jesus knows not everybody believes in him. Even if he believes in them, they don't believe in him. And he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I mean, I have people that, are, that don't, you know, follow me. And he says, I got to bring them too. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. They will become one flock with one shepherd. God's purpose through his son is to unite everybody with this formula. So what can we do? It starts with loving everyone. I mean, that is the basic. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus' own words. That pulls us into that common denominator. And the, the scripture that Sherry read says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So here's, here's a list he's, he's giving you of what happens when you're united. He says, Comfort from his love. A common sharing in the spirit. Any tenderness and compassion. He says, If you do this, he says, Then make my joy complete. By, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. If you put everyone else first, I'm not saying forget about yourself. You put everybody else first, and everybody's doing that, what a difference we'd see. And it starts right here. It starts in your own house. Who can outdo the other person? I'm not talking about competition. I'm just saying, who can outserve the other person? Who loses when you try that? Nobody. Paul writes in Romans, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Edification is one of those church words. It's betterment, mutual betterment and growth. He says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now that, that's a big deal. What if, you were to, if, what if God only forgave you as much as you forgave someone else? What if God only loved you as much as you loved someone else? I mean, the Bible says he's going to outdo you, but don't you want to get in that little competition with him? I can forgive and forgive and forgive because I need God to forgive and forgive. I can love and love and love because I need him to love and love and love, Right? We can live in harmony with one another, as, as Paul wrote. He says, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. That's one I had to think about. If we're united by the highest common denominator, we still have to follow Christ's example and serve the lowest common denominator. And if that is, if the, the thing, the, the, the one core thing that brings us all together, we're human. We're human. Okay? Be willing to associate with that lowest common denominator human. I love you because God made you. You're a nice person too, and I know that, and that's fantastic. That's a bonus. But the most simple core thing is God made you, and God loves you, just like he did for me. So we have to follow that example, and we need to love everyone. And that gets right down to it. Gives us like make allowance for others' faults. We call this grace. And forgive anyone who offends you. And I'll add, even if they don't ask for it, right? Even if they don't realize they've offended you, you do it to yourself to give them forgiveness. It says, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love. And I love that word clothe. It's a visual word. It's we cover ourselves, right? We protect, we comfort, we warm ourselves with clothes. 
Okay? We adorn ourselves with clothes. He says, clothe yourself with love. It's the outward covering. It makes us comfortable. It makes us look good. I don't know, maybe. Um, and it binds everything together in perfect harmony. But you've noticed that the verses I'm sharing aren't just from the New Testament books of First and Second Corinthians. I said that was the story we're studying. Paul wrote these letters. And, and do you know why he had to write them? Because similar things were happening in Ephesus, Ephesians, Galatia, Galatians, Rome, and other places. This is not uncommon. History is, is marked with divisiveness from in churches and communities and, and all this. And, and here we are right now. Here we are right now. You know, people on opposite sides of the street fighting for various things. Some very noble, some, some are noble, but maybe not being, you know, uh, done exactly the, the way that God would have us stand up for what we believe in. So we have to remember that, and this is not a new problem. And Paul put this advice in his letters, and God said, this is important enough, I'm going to put it in a book for you to refer to. Love everyone. Forgive everyone. You know, look at the, from their needs, but, but put me first. Don't you think Paul might write a similar letter to the people of Minneapolis, or St. Louis, or Kansas City, or maybe even here? My beloved friends at Golden Beach Community Church, you know, may God continue to bless you. May you always love each other. May you always encourage each other. Don't let divisiveness come within the church and the community and the world. As far as it is up to you, get along with everybody, right? It still applies. Write your name right here. When the church is unified by the Spirit of God and by their love for God and for one another, this acts as a powerful bonding agent that helps them endure storms of life much better. You know, that together we may, as Paul describes, with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If this doesn't happen, we must be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We get sideways with each other, but there's peaceful ways. Look at, look at Matthew 18. That's right. And, and it talks about how to end discord, how to approach someone directly, how to involve others when it's appropriate to settle things. God doesn't say that trouble won't happen. God doesn't say that there won't be discord. He's, he's just saying, what is, I'm going to be there with you. Make sure you invite me to that table for the conversation. If a group of believers have the same mind, then they can do more together as a church. We know that to be true. We see what this little church can do for the community around here. Just as different members of our physical body work in unison for our good, so too the church can be, function as one body. We, we are more than just many members, many peoples. We are one body. And, and I used to like this analogy. You know, we, you can do so much. If you're sitting at a table, you can do as much as you can reach. If you're putting together or making things, you know, um, you can only do so much. But you can do that same much too. And if we are all together at a table and all can do what's in our reach, we can get so much done. And that's what he's calling us to do. We come together and we worship, but then we leave here and we serve breakfast, right? We help out at the school fair. We have hot dog roast for the community. We, we give gifts to newborn babies in the community. We collect dollar bills and sing happy birthday so that we can give a mother a nice Christmas so we can help someone pay a utility bill. That's what happens when people come together. The dollar I gave for my daughter's birthday, I said, yeah, the dollar I gave for my daughter's birthday will make a big difference in some of the world. 
But that combined with that and that and that, that's the impact it makes. One body. So I'll start to wipe, wrap it up. I'm sorry. I saw the diapers. Um, we don't have to yield to the spirit of divisiveness. We need to stand in the unity of body of Christ, which is the highest common denominator. We stand on his promises. We need to stand on this, too. We must do and say everything with the spirit of love. Believe the best of others. It's tough. Pursue unity with brothers and sisters. Our unification power is, is something world-changing and is something that Satan can never touch. Life is messy. Relationships are messy. Times of stress constrain relationships. We can, we can end up hurting others that we love and we can destroy the unity we have worked so hard for. And this isn't something that's good, obviously. And, and, and it's trying to unify and, and keep up the spirit is nothing you have to do on your own. Let's fight together toward living in peace and harmony. God has given us the ability to be patient, kind, and loving through actions and words. Scripture reminds us that it is our responsibility as Christians to lead the way for unity among of all nations and all people. Let's finish Paul's closing remarks of the people of or Corinth. He said these letters, these words in his letter, he said, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Let's take that out of this place and let's change the world. Let's pray. Father God, whether we're in times of crisis or, or we're just in one of those hilltop moments where life seems to be great, always around us is, is something that could disrupt our peace, our happiness, and certainly our unity. God, our unity brings you joy. Our unity brings us joy. Father God, it's through our unity that we have true power. And Satan would like nothing more than to chip away at that. Turning people on people when the battle is not against the flesh. Lord, as society takes a stand on the things that are important to it, I ask two things. Lord, that, that you put on everyone's hearts what you want in that situation. The things that we are protesting against are things that are against your word and the way you'd have us live. The things that we are demanding are because you say that we are entitled to living a life with peace and respect and equality. God, the, um, I also ask that you, you put peace on people's hearts. There's a time for every season, your word says. And there's a time for... for all things and, and peace is one of those things that that we are called to enjoy lord as we go through this new normal with with the health crisis and all that lord we ask that that when this settles that the new normal will be something that honors you that society may have experienced a great reset and learned a great lesson in the value of health and safety and the treatment of others lord may we do our part this little congregation in, in this county in the middle of the state. There's work to be done here. And you're putting on our hearts what can be done. Lord, help us to continue to follow you in all we do. God, as always, I thank you for this church, all that it means, this sanctuary, this place of, place of refuge where we can come every Sunday and, and moments in between and seek you. 
but let us go out of this room changed and make a change in this world. We lift up the service to you, and may all we do please you. Amen.